All right, if you want to take your Bibles to Luke 2, Luke chapter 2, while you're turning there, let me just say it's a blessing to actually see, especially the kids being involved in the worship service, you know, with the music and then helping out with our scripture today and and just showing that that passage of scripture about Christ's birth. Uh, It's great to have them, it's great to have kids in the church again, I mean, honestly, uh, that's the next generation, and we're trying to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, all of us are part of that here. But we're glad to, that all of you are here and that you're able to participate in worship this morning. And this morning I'm going to read, um, we're going to focus on two verses as far as my message is concerned. But I'm just going to read the beginning of Luke 2 again, just to remind us again of the passage of Scripture that has to do with the birth of Christ. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We're going to stop there for now this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again that we can celebrate the birth of your son. And as we've seen and as we've read today already, Lord, you had your hand in that event in so many ways. It was more than just the birth of a baby. It was a miracle in in which and through which you used to bring us God to earth to bring us a Savior, the promised Messiah, so that we might know that you are our God, that you provided a way of salvation for us. And so, Lord, now as we study this passage and the message from the angels, help us to see the great gift that you gave us and the great gift that's available to us through your Son. Lord, just give me wisdom as I speak. Fill me with your Spirit May your word be presented with power, and may your message go out today and touch hearts. And we thank you for all you're going to do. May you receive the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, celebration of Christmas, especially in America, is understood as a time when gifts are given. We exchange gifts. I don't know if any of you did some this morning or if you're saving those for this afternoon. Our family's 
We're going to do a few, and we're going to do the bulk of that tomorrow. But it's traditionally a time where gifts are given. And frankly, I think everybody in our country knows the, the saying or the idea that Christmas is a time for giving, okay? And we can go back to Scripture. We read that this morning, that God gave his Son, Jesus Christ, and that was the beginning of the giving. But people use that phrase for whatever purpose they want to accomplish. It's a time for giving, and you, so you hear it from all the charities that are advertising on TV. You hear it from the Salvation Army. You hear it from even um, secular charities. You know, Christmas is the time for giving. They might not even believe in Jesus Christ, that he was a real person, and yet they'll use the time to impel people to give. And so we just kind of uh, assume or we accept the fact this is the time of year where it's the spirit of giving. And it comes from Scripture, but it's not always played out that way. If you have been to Salvation or to, to uh, Walmart this year, you've seen the Salvation Army people and their kettles and their bells sitting outside. Um, it seems like this is the only time of the year people pay attention to them. Um, they, they're there, people give, they disappear, and then you don't think about them for a year. And it's amazing that it's only at Christmas time you see these people Faithful people, I will give them that, bundled up against the cold, ringing those bells, sitting out there for hours, and wishing you Merry Christmas as cheerily as they can through their cold lips, okay? Now, what's tragic, unfortunately, is that even though we accept this as the spirit or the time of the spirit of giving, Christmas is that time, do we really give the greatest gift. I'm going to challenge you with that. Do we give the greatest gift? Now, I want to spend the time talking about what the greatest gift is. We get into the spirit of giving with each other, but do we give the greatest gift as we understand the great gift that God gave us? Now, the tradition of giving gifts comes from, and many people will cite different traditions from different cultures, the idea in the church comes from the wise men brought gifts to Jesus Christ. Okay, we saw that this morning, how they laid down their gold, the frankincense and myrrh, as they worshipped him. They traveled great distance at their own expense to bring their gifts to the new baby king that was born in Israel. And while they celebrated by giving gifts to God, how do we celebrate it usually? by giving gifts to each other. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the spirit of giving and giving gifts and giving to each other, okay? But that idea of giving gifts to each other did not originate from the wise men. So we can't use that story to say, oh, that's why we do this. Okay, if you want historical background for that, it basically goes back to the legend of St. Nicholas, and he was a real person, okay? And he was a very rich a Christian, a saint, and he used his fortune to actually take care of poor people. And so that tradition of giving to others started there, really, instead of giving to God. So it's not the wise men, it was St. Nicholas that kind of gave us that tradition. But it wasn't just the wise men that brought gifts to Jesus when he was born. As we saw this morning, there was another group that came to see Jesus, the shepherds. Now, we didn't see them lay gifts down at the feet of Jesus or at the manger, okay? But they came and they offered the gift of worship. And that's the kind of acceptable gift that God wants from us. God gave 
us the greatest gift in Jesus Christ and the eternal life that he offers through Jesus Christ. But these people, the wise men, the shepherds that came to see Jesus at his birth offered gifts to him. And so I'm going to ask you this question, how often do we offer our gifts to Jesus Christ at Christmas? How often do we think about that? Okay, you being here today to worship the Lord on Christmas Day is a part of offering him our gifts. We're giving him our time. We do this every Sunday. It's not special to Christmas, but he deserves what we have to offer him. He deserves our worship. That's what the shepherds gave him. That's what the wise men gave him. More than the gold and silver or gold and, and myrrh and frankincense. The worship is what was important. But God gave us the greatest gift in Jesus Christ. And so those gifts given back to him were in response to that. So we need to look at ourselves and say, are we giving back to God in response to the gift that he's given us? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I hope and pray that every one of us has received that gift, the eternal life that God has offered us through Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, And he says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. It's so great, we really can't even describe how wonderful it is. And we can't offer him enough thanks and enough of our own gifts to even say thank you in the the best way. But if we've received that gift in Jesus Christ and salvation, then we should be offering our gifts back to our Lord. And very quickly, let me give you four gifts that we can offer him. First, obviously, is our worship. It's our worship that we return to him because of his position as God. Just like the wise men and the shepherds did. They they came and worshipped him because Jesus, even as a baby in the manger, was God. And so he deserved that worship. And so we should offer him that worship because he's God. Second, we offer him physical gifts. We give money in the offering. We do things to help people in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, So we give physically even, back to God in response to the fact that he is God. It's not just because he's given us a gift in Jesus Christ, but it's because he deserves whatever gifts we can give him. So it's our physical gifts, tithes, offerings, money, help to those in need. That's a physical way to offer those gifts to God. And then third, God has given us spiritual gifts. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, I'm not going to read those passages because of time, but Paul describes a whole list of different spiritual gifts that are given to individual believers by the Holy Spirit as we're saved. And he says, we're not given those gifts to benefit ourselves or to make ourselves look great or to be some kind of super Christian. We're given those gifts to serve others in love, to edify each other. And so as we use those gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit even, now we give back to the Lord in serving other people and edifying the body of Christ. So it's not for our benefit. You know, and we could go on. I mean, I could list our time, our attention, you know, just spending time with the Lord in devotions and in prayer. Okay, there's a lot of ways we can give back to the Lord. But the question is, are we in the spirit of giving back to the Lord all the time? And especially at Christmas, are we focused on, I'm doing this because I'm giving back to the Lord, or is it just because we get caught up in the tradition of giving? 
Because anything good that you do, leaving God out of it, as I said last week, is filthy rags. That's what Isaiah tells us. So it's, it's not worth it. Okay, It's emptiness, it's vanity, Solomon says, to do all this if God's not part of it. So in our giving, we should start with the attitude that we're giving back to God. Because he is God. But as much as both God's gift of Jesus Christ to us and salvation that he gives us through Jesus Christ and the gifts that we can give back to him make up the substance of the Christian life, there's one other gift that I think comes before those gifts. It has to come before those gifts. Because without this first greatest, I'll call it the greatest gift of Christmas, without that gift, none of the others would be possible either for us to enjoy or to offer And so we have to look at what is this great gift of Christmas? And I'm even going to propose this. You can find this great gift of Christmas even at Walmart. Now, let me explain, okay? I hope I got your attention. In Luke 2, we read that the angels were the ones who brought this first gift from God. Now, I want to go back to verses 10, 11. Look at the message of the angels. It says, The angels said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There is the greatest gift of Christmas. And you go, yeah, you already said that. Jesus Christ was given to us by God. No, it's not Jesus Christ was given to us by God. Yes, that is a great gift. But it's the message that Jesus was given. Because without that message, no one would know. The message of a a, a Savior who was born is the greatest gift we can give anybody. That's the gift that the shepherds received from the angels. That the long-awaited Messiah had finally arrived to bring deliverance to his people. That's what the angels were telling the shepherds here. We're come to tell you that The Messiah has been born. And so that message was extremely important. If the the angels had not come and shared that message, the shepherds would have been out there in the field doing what they always did, not knowing that anything was different. But the angels brought the message. In fact, that gift of the message was given by God to mankind well before the angels came to the shepherds that night. For thousands of years before that event, God was revealing to all mankind and anyone who would listen through his prophets that message of the promised Messiah. Now, Jesus hadn't come until the night he was born, but God promised way back in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve that he would send the Messiah. And so God was giving the message right from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, 15, right after Adam and Eve sinned, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking to Satan, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was the promise from God to Adam and Eve and to Satan that God was going to send a Messiah who would conquer death and who would deliver his people. So the message starts way back in Genesis 3. And then God repeats that message all through the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, this is Jacob blessing his sons, his 12 sons that would become the tribes of Israel. 
And Jacob says this about Judah, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now that was prophecy about the coming Messiah from Jacob. In Numbers chapter 24, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A ruler will come out of Jacob. Even back in the Old Testament, when Israel was still wandering the wilderness and getting ready to go in the promised land, that Messiah was promised. In Isaiah Chapter 7, verse 14, I read that this morning. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was while Israel was going into exile out of their promised land. In, <coughs> excuse me, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. God, again, prophesying the very place that the Messiah would come. And there's many more Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Jesus Christ as the Messiah. If you read in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, the angel gives Daniel a message about the, the 70 weeks and he says there's going to be seven weeks where Israel's in captivity. Then they're going to be released. They're going to go back to Israel. And 62 weeks, and um, the Messiah will be cut off. And so if you take the seven and 62 and add them together, that makes, I'm sorry, 42 weeks. It's, uh, yeah, 62 weeks, and, 60, and seven weeks makes 69. That's where we're going with that. Okay, but it's 69 weeks, or seven, uh, a year, uh, seven years, groups of seven years. Okay, and so when you add that up, the 69 plus the extra nine, uh, last week is 490 years. So from the time that Israel went back into the land, you can count 490 years, and that's the birth of Christ. And so the very time period of when Christ was going to come as the Messiah was told. So they knew the place. They knew the time. If they paid attention, the problem is most of them missed it. Now, the wise men understood that, I believe. They knew the Old Testament prophecy. And that's why when the star appeared in the sky, they said, this is it. This is for the king. And the new king is born in Israel. And so we're going to follow the star. and We're going to find this new king because the time is here. And that's why the wise men came. So God gave the message to the wise men through his revealed prophecy, through his word, the same that we have. And so all of these promises that Jesus would come culminated over 2,000 years ago on that night in Bethlehem was when Jesus was born to a virgin and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was laid in a manger in Bethlehem. But God had promised all of those things all through history up to that point. And so it was God's gift of those messages about the Messiah that brought the wise men. And it's those messages about the Messiah that should bring other people to Christ as well. Because he is the promised Messiah. And even the gift of the angel's message, as we read here in Luke 2, contains the substance of that message. Look at what the angels said. Here is that greatest gift, the message that is the greatest gift of Christmas. He says, first of all, 
fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, if you saw angels appear in your bedroom, you'd probably be afraid. But all through Scripture, when angels appeared to somebody, most of the time they were bringing good news, and almost every time they start with, fear not, because we have good news from the Lord. And so they, fear, they say, fear not, not just because the angels were bringing good news, but because the coming of Jesus Christ is the end of all fear. Now, we wish we could say, yeah, when Jesus was born, everything was perfect after that. No, but we know because of the birth of Jesus Christ, everything will be perfect someday. But in, that mean, in the meantime, we don't have anything to fear because in Jesus Christ, he ends the fear of death. We have no fear of death if we're trusting in him as our, our Savior and Messiah. We have no fear of judgment for our sin because Jesus took the penalty for that, so we don't have to be afraid of what's to come. We have no fear of the prince of the power of the air, what Satan can do to us, because we've been loosed from the bondage of sin in Jesus Christ. So, First John chapter 4, verse 18, he says, Perfect love casts out all fear, and that's exactly what Jesus brought to mankind in his life and in his death and in his resurrection and even in his intercession today for us before the throne of God, is perfect love. And because we've seen an example of that perfect love in him, we have nothing to fear. And so the angel says, fear not. That's the beginning of this message that is the greatest gift of Christmas. Don't fear. Then the angel goes on, I have good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings, great joy to all people. This good news should bring joy to our lives that Jesus has come. In fact, that's the only way you can have joy, is to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died for your sins. Without that news, there's no joy. We're hopeless. And this news, this good news that brings joy is not just to a select few. The angel said it's to all people. God's joy is available to all people through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so this news goes to everyone. What was the good news? The angel goes on, unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So this promised Messiah is given to us, to people, to sinners who need him. First, uh, uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, the Word was made flesh, that's Jesus Christ, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ became one of us. He came to us and for us. And so he's given to us. The angel said, unto you is born a Savior. Now, he uses three words here to describe Jesus. The first is Savior, the second is Christ, and then he calls him Lord at the end. So he says, unto you is given a Savior. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 3, David, I'm sorry, chapter 22, verse 3, David refers to God as his Savior. Now, we haven't really seen Jesus Christ as a person in the Old Testament when David wrote that. He knew about God and God's intervention and God's word and the law that God gave, but David refers to God as his Savior, and he's talking about Jehovah. 
But that includes Jesus, because Jesus is God. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11, God the Father, giving this revelation of prophecy to Isaiah, says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no other Savior. And so God himself, God the Father, Jehovah, calls himself a Savior because it's one God. In fact, in Luke 2, when we read this Greek word for Savior, the word is soter, and it's very closely connected with the Hebrew word for Savior, which is yasha, and it means deliverer or salvation. Now, if you're a scholar of theology, you would recognize soter is the beginning of soteriology, which is the study or the doctrine of salvation. And it starts with Jesus Christ, our Savior. But that's the reason why Jesus Christ came to earth, isn't it? To be a Savior. We needed someone to take the penalty for our sin, to be able to be forgiven from the sin that we were guilty of, and we had no way to do it ourselves. We couldn't fix ourselves, and so Christ came as our Savior to bring salvation through his death, to bring deliverance through his resurrection. And so the angel says, here's the good news. You have a Savior, one who will deliver you. Then the angel calls him Christ. The Old Testament word for Christ is Messiah. It means anointed one. Jesus Christ is not his name. Jesus was his name. Christ is his title. Jesus, the Messiah, that's what Christ literally means in Hebrew. And he came as the the promised one, the anointed one of God. He is the fulfillment of all the promises that God gave that I read a few of this morning. He is that anointed one of God, not just our Savior, but that promised Messiah who who will not just come to die on a cross so that we can be saved, but has promised to return and set up his kingdom on the, in this world and fix all the problems that we see today and to take us to heaven to be with him forever. That's the Messiah, same person, Jesus Christ. And so the angel says, you have a Savior, you have a Messiah or the promised Christ, and then he says, Christ the Lord. Finally, the angel refers to him as the Lord, and this title demonstrates the authority of Jesus. In the Greek, this is the word kurios, master. In fact, in the Greek Old Testament, we call it the Septuagint. This term master or Lord, L-O-O-L-O-R-D, and it's all capitals if you look in a King James, and I think some of the other versions have it. In the Old Testament, it uses this word Lord. And this term Lord here was used in the Septuagint in place of the word Yahweh. Now, Yahweh was the covenant God of Israel. And yet the angels are talking about Jesus Christ. Same God. Same Messiah. Same Master. Same Savior. So this Jesus Christ that, that the angels were announcing was also God Almighty come in the flesh. And that's what John says in John 1.14. He came as God, dwelt among us as a man. And so we have this, shep- this message from the angels to the shepherds. And it's interesting 
This message from the angels to the shepherds is the only time in all of Scripture where all three of those titles are used all at the same time to describe Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Messiah. He is our God, our Lord. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message the angels shared with the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So really, the greatest gift of Christmas is in the message. Because without the message, no one would ever find him. We need to hear the message before we understand who he was. We need to hear the message before we can understand what he can do for us. We need to hear the message before we know why he came in the first place. Christmas literally is about proclaiming the message of the coming Messiah. For the angels and the shepherds, they got to experience it in real time as it happened. For us, we look back on that. And how do we respond to that to each other in sharing that message? We say, Merry Christmas. Now, that's not a trite little greeting, by the way. We're saying the same thing the angel said. Be merry and joyful because Christ has come. That's the word Christmas. I explained that before. Christ, Mass. Mass is the Latin word for to come. So when you say Merry Christmas to somebody, you're literally giving them the message that Jesus Christ has come to give us joy. He is that promised Savior. He's that promised Lord. He is God Almighty. And so just like the shepherds, just like those who received this message, if you read into Acts, remember the beginning of the early church, and they just took this message all over the place. Now, their message wasn't Merry Christmas, but their message was Christ has come. And so we should be messengers, sharing the greatest gift of Christmas in that message. It doesn't matter what else you get at Walmart or anywhere else you shop to give other people. If we don't share the greatest gift in the message of what it's all about, the rest of it doesn't mean anything. In that message, we know that forgiveness of sins is available through the death and resurrection of our Savior, that life and deliverance is promised in the person of this Christ, the Messiah, that the peace and presence of God can be experienced only through this Lord. This is the message that's the greatest gift we can give or receive. That's why we're here today. That's why you're in church. Because God gave us that message. We received the greatest gift from that message. And now we're here to return a little bit of what we have to God in, in, in response to that. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you can get this message at Walmart if you pay attention. People in the Salvation Army sit out there and they wish people a Merry Christmas. And I don't know if they understand what that message really is or not. 
but it's being given. And like Paul said, even if somebody does it out of contention or strife, I'm not going to interfere because they're proclaiming the message of Christ. So when you share that message of Merry Christmas, at least do that. But hopefully people will stop and give you a minute to explain what that really means so that you can share with them the greatest gift that you could give them this Christmas. And it shouldn't be reserved for Christmas just this time of year. That's a message we need to share all the time because that's why we're here. God left us here to continue Christ's ministry, and it starts with the message of redemption that we can find in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the promised Messiah, the one who is Lord. Same message the angels gave to the shepherds. That's a message we can give to others. That Christ has come for us and to us to give to us the greatest gift that we could ever get. As I close, let me wish you a truly Merry Christmas as we celebrate together the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. You've shown it to us in sending Christ, but you've shown it to us in your word as well that explains to us what all of that hullabaloo and all of the things were about that night that Christ was born. In fact, all of history that you've recorded for us in Scripture points to Jesus Christ. He is the center the center point of history. This is the most incredible event in the history of mankind that God would become man and that he would come to die for us. And so we thank you. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to value the gift that you've given us so that we might be diligent in sharing it with others so that they can receive it as well. Thank you again for this time we can worship together, that we can celebrate together. And as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, may we not forget his death and resurrection as well, because without him we have no Savior. So thank you so much for everything you've done through Jesus Christ, and we pray these things in his name. Amen.